Solve the World, Episode 4, Infinite Jest and Other Topics. A girl walks into a drugstore. Streams of blood flow down her forehead. Jennifer Dash is in Lake Charles, Louisiana, and she hasn't solved the world yet. Not hardly. Passing the cashier, a young boy by the name of Atticus Further will meet him in full in just a minute. Jen held her hand over her head wound so as to not reveal her geyser to onlookers. The store was abandoned. Jen was alone, except, of course, for young Atticus. But more to the point, Jennifer Dash felt alone. Being a delightful, charming, charismatic, attractive, tall, and lively young lady, loneliness didn't suit her. It was uncomfortable, to say the least, and it made her lightheaded. Or those feelings just came due to the loss of blood. Who's to say? Blood seeped down between Jen's fingers, paving its own trail and streaking down her arm like gothic art. Jen beelined for the paper towel aisle. Without hesitation, she grabbed a package, ripped the plastic off, and applied the whole roll to ease the blood flow. The, quote, angel white towels, unquote, turned red like a plague on Egypt. With her immediate need covered, Jen pondered her next move. What did she need? Perhaps she could use a new set of clothes. Her current duds were nearly soaked through from anxious and humid sweat. But this was a drugstore, not a super Walmart. No new clothes. No problem. Jen swiped a bottle of perfume and gave her body a generous ten sprays before setting the display bottle back on the rack. Ah, that wound. Jen wasn't a superficial person, especially considering the narcissistic demographic she belonged to. Seventeen-year-olds aren't known for their depth of character and inner beauty. Nonetheless, makeup came to Jen's mind as a necessity. As she perused the cosmetics aisle, she slipped not merely powder and blush in her back pockets, but also mascara, lipstick, and eyeliner. Surreptitiously, she glanced at the front desk to see if any eyes caught her deviance. Nope, the boy behind the register was caught up in some titan of a book. He'd never notice. Jen returned to perusing the aisle. Was there anything else she needed? Anything at all? She came across pantyhose and instinctively swiped it. Are you really going to steal? Is this the person you are? A duel began in Jen's head. Who am I? This doesn't define me. I have a need, so I'm taking what I need. Just like I took Red Jeb's man. It's no big deal. It is what it is. Stealing is wrong. If you steal, you are a stealer. Is stealing wrong? Jen managed to have this thought completely free of any sarcasm. It was an honest, personal inquiry. Jen stood there, in the aisle, her eyes locked on a particular scratch on the floor, lost in her thought. What makes stealing wrong? We said we were solving the world, and our first rule was not to just accept what we've been told in the past. If stealing is wrong, we have to find out for ourselves. I started solving the world by solving this moral question of theft. Philosophically speaking, that sounded all well and good, like a worthy hypothesis to conduct an experiment on. The only problem was that Jen didn't need to conduct an experiment. She knew it was wrong. Thinking through it, coming up with tests and logical persuasions, these were all ploys to convince herself to do what she knew was wrong all along. The truth is, 
Jen mused. Stealing is bad because my stomach hurts. It's bad because my body says so. And if I don't listen to my body, I... Ma'am? It was the boy from the register. His colossal book must be boring. Would you come here, please? Jen's eyes dilated with fear. She'd been caught. Somehow the boy knew. He'd probably already called the cops and they'd marshal her off to jail. They wouldn't care that she'd just escaped the dollhouse internment camp for girls who kind of sort of maybe looked like certain estranged daughters. This was bad. And yet... He was a really cute boy. Jen, almost ready to swap out for a new, non-blood-colored paper towel roll, gingerly made her way to the front desk. Boy, you really got a gusher there, don't you? The boy said and smiled. I guess so. The boy ducked under his desk momentarily. He reappeared holding a box. My dad made me take a first aid class, so I'm armed and prepared to fix you right up. Mind if I help? Uh, sure. Jen said, a little tentative about accepting kindness from strangers after experiencing the pleasantries of Johnny Paxwell and the doll. The boy had Jen lift the paper towels off her head so he could examine the wound. Yikes! The boy, Atticus, leaned over the desk awkwardly to reach the wound with adhesive pads and gauze. Would you mind sitting on the desk here so that I can get a better angle? Okay. Jen hopped her bottom on the desk, immediately regretting the decision. A slicing pain ripped through her rear. The eyeliner pen. It was jabbing her. Jen suspected that it was slowly piercing through her shorts and skin. She clenched her teeth down and tried to smile at the boy with teeth on edge. She would win this game of roulette. She wasn't about to let Pretty Boy find out she was planning on stealing half the store. What on earth did she need pantyhose for anyway? In case she devised a robbery? I guess that goes with a stealing lifestyle, Jen smirked at the thought. The boy smiled back at Jen. She suspected he smiled because he assumed she was smiling slash flirting with him. That was good. Flirting could get her out of this. Thank you. My name's Jen, by the way. Pleased to meet you, Jen. Jen stuck out her arm to shake hands, but both of the boys were preoccupied holding gauze and unraveling it whilst applying pressure to her wound. Her hand stood there, outstretched for a moment, before Jen bashfully returned it to her side, the boy completely wrapped up in his health services. Head wounds are the worst, I know. They always look worse than they really are. Though I must say, you really did a number on your mug tonight, didn't you? May I ask how it happened? Jen weighed her response. Did it advantage her to lie? Maybe Doll is this boy's long-lost mother. Or, maybe he's actually her daughter, but he went through a gender change to ensure that she'd never find her again and she could live happily ever after without green flame enthusiast Mommy Dearest lurking in the shadows. Jen chuckled at the thought. What, funny story? Jen silently disciplined herself. I've got to stop laughing at my own thoughts. It's getting me into all sorts of trouble, Jen thought. Oh, no, sorry, I, uh, I fell. Jen hedged her bets and thought she'd better not add lying on top of stealing to her rap sheet tonight. She'd once heard that lying was a double sin. Not only was it, of course, a sin to lie, but it was also stealing, because a lie is stealing the truth. Yes, a vague answer sufficed nicely here. No lie, but nothing incriminating either. Unfortunately, the boy looked mildly hurt and said nothing. Meanwhile, the eyeliner was surely slitting butt skin by now. Jen was just going to have to drop her drawers and have him patch up her bottom as soon as he finished with her forehead. Jen repressed yet another chuckle. So, um, what's that book you're reading? Jen held out an olive branch for the dejected teen. Yeah, that's called Infinite Jest. 
And I bet it goes on infinitely. Sure looks like it. The boy smiled. Yeah, uh, to be honest, I, I don't really get it. Well, what's it about anyway? There. Just about done. The boy had finished addressing the wound. Jen looked like she'd just undergone brain surgery, or was coming back from a war. But without a mirror around, she was none the wiser, and besides the shooting pain in her butt, she was starting to relax from all the trauma of the day. Now would you like a sucker for being so good? The boy said this, of course, in a condescending doctor's voice that Jen found hilarious. Why yes, doctor, I would. The boy ducked around the desk to literally find a lollipop. Jen took the opportunity and wiggled a bit on the desk, relieving some of the pressure off the knife-like eyeliner. <sighs> the boy returned, handing her a face-sized liquor. Wow, Jen exclaimed. That's quite a sucker, doctor. Anything for my favorite patient. The line was a bit too suggestive, and both teenagers knew it. So... What's the big joke of the book? Of infinite jest? Yeah. Well, it's a quote, right? You know, from Hamlet? Right, right, right. Yeah, of course. Jen was pleased at how well she played that off. It's kind of about this videotape that whoever watches it becomes so obsessed with watching it over and over and over again that that's all they end up doing until they die. Sounds hilarious. I don't know. I, well, do you want to hear a really cruel thought? Sure, lay it on me. Well... I kind of believe that genius is something really, uh, really rare. Yeah, you're a regular Hitler, all right. No, I mean, it's really rare, right? Most of us never even taste genius. Not even a little bit. And the blessed few who have that superpower, well, they tend to find it overwhelming, I think. It seemed like the boy was hoping Jen would figure out where he was going with all this, but she hadn't a clue. They, you know, they kill themselves. So I picked up this book because I heard the author was a genius and he killed himself a few years back. Oh. So can you tell? Are the ingredients to genius listed in the works cited page? No, I mean, I I don't know. The story's really hard to follow, but I, but I do like some of the insights into life. Maybe it's just too genius for regular folks like us to get it. Yeah, maybe. My dad says, though, that genius isn't about knowing complicated things. It's about making the complicated simple. Hmm. Sounds like the author failed, then. I don't know. I, I, I shouldn't say. After all, I haven't got to the end yet, have I? I'm sure it'll all make sense in the end. I sure hope so. Jen's eyes dart anxiously. So, I guess I should pay you for the paper towels, then. Oh, uh, don't worry about it. We have a budget for stuff like when a customer accidentally breaks a product. Jen laughed. Yeah, <laughs> I broke your paper towels pretty good there. You sure did. They both laughed together. It's a nice moment. Jen liked this boy. She was attracted to his intellect, to his quickness to help her. She thought maybe he just happened to have the same sort of curiosity about the world that she had. Scratch that curiosity that she wanted to have. That's what the story is about, after all. Yearning, desire, wish fulfillment. But also, Jennifer Dash couldn't help but notice that the boy's forearms were quite bulgy for a teenager. He must be a weightlifter, she thought. Jen hopped down from the desk. She stared at the boy a moment longingly, and then abruptly turned toward the door. She mustn't forget about Leviathan. 
Boys come and go, but Leviathan, she remains. The boy cleared his throat. Ah, <clears throat> uh, could I maybe call you sometime? Jen squinted at the boy, not quite sure how to respond. I mean, would you like to give me your number? Jen smiled sheepishly. I like that very much. The boy fumbled for his phone. Great, what is it? Jen thought she'd try to turn a weakness to her advantage. How about this? Why don't you write me? By, like, real mail? Snail mail? Yeah. Oh, yeah. Uh, I like that. I'm tired of carrying on the phone all day anyway. Everyone's so dependent on these things these days. <laughs> Why not? Sounds like a grand plan. A grand plan indeed. Uh, just let me get a pen and pad. The boy scrounged around for some time before finally deciding on using a piece of day-old newspaper. Alright, ready. Make sure to say, Jennifer Dash, care of Red Jeb Heller, 300 Room Street, Jennings, Louisiana, 70546. Got that? care of. Why care of? Jen didn't have an answer for that one. Atticus's intellect drove him to ask yet another more probing question. Jen, do you have a home? Yes, well, it, no, it's just that I'm leaving and I don't know when I'll be back. Jen tried to make it sound better than it was. I'm going on an adventure. I'm going to the sea. The boy looked concerned. And why are you going to the sea? Do you really want to know? Yeah, he really did look like he just wanted to help. Okay, but I have to tell you something. Sure, anything. I didn't just fall. I was hitchhiking tonight. You shouldn't do that. I know, I learned my lesson. It's against the law, you know. Would you just let me say this? Yeah, uh, sorry. Uh, go, go, go ahead. I got picked up by this woman, a scary, kind of big lady, and she goes into this big long story about being hypnotized by a bonfire, going to the hospital in handcuffs, and then all the stuff about the real, historical Pied Piper coming to haunt her, or something like that. Sounds like a real humdinger of a person. Yeah, but she keeps telling me I remind her of her daughter. The, the daughter who the Pied Piper took away? The boy said this to be coy, and looked startled as Jen affirmed his sentiment. Yeah, and she kept telling me I'd be with her, be her new replacement daughter. I got scared and told her to leave me off in town, and she wouldn't. She blew right through a stop sign at like 60 miles an hour. Whoa. I know, I didn't know what to do. I, I kicked her hard. She slammed on the brakes and I fell out of the truck. Kind of fell, kind of flopped out. That's how I got this. Jen touched her head wound. Yet the boy was unperturbed. Jen, why were you hitchhiking? Jen was anxiously annoyed. She wanted him to pity her, to hug her. She didn't know what she wanted. Not this, not an interrogation. I told you, I'm going to the sea. Jen, do you have anywhere to sleep tonight? How do I answer that question? Jen didn't know. She stayed quiet. The boy grabbed at the piece of newspaper he'd written the address on. He scribbled another address and tore off that piece. Here, this is the address of my family's house. It's just down the street. Turn left out of here and walk three blocks. You'll see it. Two-story house. It'll be well lit. You'll see the number. He pulled a set of keys out of his pocket. Whoa. What if I take your keys and run? Not smiling, the boy responded. What would you do with some lousy keys? I could... I could rob your house. You're not that kind of girl. 
But maybe I am, Jen thought as she touched her swollen bottom. I don't get off here for another three hours or so. Just go in. Um, my sister will be sleeping. Make yourself at home. You can eat anything you'd like, watch TV, and then sleep on the couch. What happens next is obvious. Jen took the keys. Her pride was thrown asunder at the look of the boy's sweeping blonde locks. She liked boys with long hair. She liked this boy. So, of course, she took those keys and walked to his house. The house itself was big. Really big. Jen walked into an enormous living room with a Titanic-style staircase in the center sprouting out and leading to two separate second-floor hallways. Jen called out one big, Hello! Just in case the sister was awake. Nothing. Silence all through the house. Not a creature was stirring. Jen grabbed a bottle of water from a fully loaded refrigerator which was currently informing her about the weather in New Orleans on the door display. Fancy. She moseyed over and plopped herself onto the couch. She didn't watch TV. She didn't need to. The butterflies in her stomach would keep her company enough. And so Jennifer Dash daydreamed and waited. After what felt like no time at all, the boy returned. He smiled a broad, boyish glee grin when he saw her waiting up for him. The twosome sat on a couch and talked for hours. Much of what they talked about is irrelevant and insignificant in our purposes. During many points in the conversation, Jen felt flush with a feeling that she was out of her weight class. The boy knew so much about everything. Sports, current events, biology, psychology. For gosh sakes, he could give a lecture on classical Greek theater. What sort of wonderkin was this guy? But regardless of Jen's insecurity, she could tell she was rubbing off on him too. There was one topic worthy of our notice. Jen, in her flirtatious giddiness, wanted to tell the boy everything. That meant her plans to solve the world. That also meant divulging her thoughts on NASA, the supposed cosmonauts, and the Macy's magazine in general. Everything Humphaliandra and Flagaturindor. The boy summed up her critique as a wariness to have faith in the written word. He devised a new, pragmatic rule for her. She could accept information from sources that she trusted. He told her that, of course, on the surface, that seems like a simple enough rule. But then the question became, how does one decide to trust a specific source? The boy answered his own question by stating that it shouldn't be by the words alone, meaning that one's argument in writing shouldn't alone be the source of trustworthiness. Rather, he argued, it should be on the merits of the character of the author himself. This, to any outsider, surely sounds like a strange and naive manner of epistemology, but Jen was none the wiser and ate it all up. She fervently promised to immediately employ such tactics in her journey. Sometime before the break of day, a lull in the conversation led to both simultaneously being taken captive by the lures of the Sandman. That night, Jen dreamed the same dream she dreamed every night. A small room. No window. An orange light above, too bright and at the same time too pale to clearly make out. And dirty, dirty gray walls. Just that. This plotless dream played endlessly on repeat for as long as Jen remembered. Whenever she woke up, she had the sensation that she'd been dreaming for days, weeks even. It often took half the morning for her to convince herself otherwise. 
This night, however, in the Further's home, a new detail emerged. It was in the walls. Something about them was changing. Something was happening. Something was seeping through. Red. Yes. The something was red. Slowly, ever so slowly, this red was winning. It was conquering the dirty gray. It was more powerful. Red. The red was coming. The red was coming and it was blood. It was all blood. Solve the World is produced by me, Dante Stack. I'd like to thank the many generous artists at freesound.org and freemusicarchive.org, where I found all the music and sound effects for the show. Full attribution for those sound effects and music are located on my website at dantestack.com slash solve the world under show notes. If you like the show, then please express your support and write a review on iTunes. That's the biggest way anyone can help out the show at this point in the game. Besides that, you can also join our Facebook group at facebook.com slash solve the world podcast. Also, if you're interested, check out my other podcast, 365 Honest Questions, which is on iTunes, Stitcher, or at my website, dantestack.com. Thanks! Hi, I'm Marika from Holland. I missed a whole hundred episodes of Jen's story. Things are going to change for Jennifer Dash. Next time, she will be forced to say adieu to her charming boy. She will be whisked halfway across the continental United States. She continues to search for a way to solve the world. Stay with us.